Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 20, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 9, The Family Afterward, and we are on page 129, beginning at the paragraph, If the Family Cooperates. Today's readers are Penny C., Michelle H., and Deb W. The reference number for yesterday, August 19, is 6775. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Linda R. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Linda R. Recovered in North Carolina. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now ask Cassandra H. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, visionaries. This is Cassandra H., a compulsive overeater from Georgia. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should first First, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, and I pass. Katie, are you still with us? Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now, Katie. Okay. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Uh, Today we resume our study of the big book on page 129, paragraph one, beginning with if the family, family cooperates and reading three paragraphs, ending with it's preferable to that. I will ask Penny C to begin reading. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, and good morning, everybody. My name is Penny 
C, and I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. If the family cooperates, Dad will soon see that he is suffering from a distortion of values. He will perceive that his spiritual growth is lopsided, that for an average man like himself, a spiritual life which does not include his family obligations may not be so perfect after all. If the family will appreciate that Dad's current behavior is but a phase of his development, all will be well. In the midst of an understanding and sympathetic family, these vagaries of dad's spiritual infancy will quickly disappear. The opposite may happen should the family condemn and criticize. Dad may feel that for years his drinking has placed him on the wrong side of every argument, but that now he has become a superior person with God on his side. If the family persists in criticism, this fallacy may take a great hold on Father. Instead of treating the family as he should, he may retreat further into himself and feel he has spiritual justification for so doing. Though the family does not fully agree with Dad's spiritual activities, they should let him have his head. Even if he displays a certain amount of neglect and irresponsibility toward the family, it is well to let him go as far as he likes in helping other alcoholics. During those days of convalescence, this will do much more to ensure his sobriety than anything else. Though some of his manifestations are alarming and dis- disagreeable, we think Dad will be on a firmer foundation than the man who is placing business or professional success ahead of spiritual development. He will be less likely to drink again, and anything is preferable to that. This, this, this whole chapter keeps reminding me and saying to me a lot of these, these suggestions to the family, what a big order. We talk about the family. Well, the family could be 10 or 12 or more people, and each one with his or her own personalities and values and, and history with, with the, for us, with the compulsive overeater, and I should at this point say me. Um, so at the time that I entered OA and, real, and began to work the steps very soon after that and started literally chasing spirituality. You know, when I made, that was a, a, what a, what an awakening it was for me to realize that all my religiosity was not anything that I would call spiritual, yet I thought they were one and the same. And so I remember, and this is kind of humorous in a way, that when I came in and started working the steps and and really becoming more spiritual, I was living only with a 15-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old daughter. And I remember that I would start putting up around the house little plaques, let go and let God, and things like that. And I remember that one evening, she asked if she could invite invite the band members over for a little get-together, 
And I said yes. And she asked if she could collect all those um, signs and plaques and and just just put them in the drawer for the evening because I think at 15 she was a bit embarrassed and and also um, so confused about this mother who never talked about spirituality but enforced enforced all the rules of the religion I was bringing them up in so um, it's important I think for us to realize that as it says previously this is not going to be an overnight matter and there will be lots of bumps along the road but eventually as in my case that I think my family some of them who don't really see or understand my spirituality are pleased to see the change in me and and they'll accept where I'm at and some even imitate some of my spiritual practices. So I thank you and I will pass. Thank you, Penny C. Um, Hi, this is Linda in North Carolina. Okay, Linda, would anybody else like to share? Janice? Janice? Please. M? Yes. Okay, let's go with Linda and Janice M. Good morning. Linda from North Carolina. Thank you so much for your service today and recovery in North Carolina. Um, this is really uh, such a, it's just touching me, this whole paragraph, because these paragraphs, you know, I'm in program a very long time, and I remember when I first came into OA, I was married, you know, to a man that was also, um, had a food addiction. And um, I was so into my ego and it was ism. You know, I keep thinking of the word I, self, and me at the beginning. I went to so many meetings and he was so cooperative. Like, he didn't really care. He let me do my thing. But when I really think back then, it was, I really was so into, you know, getting the program, but yet it was really an ego trip. And I went, you know, this went on for a few years. And then when he and things settled down, but like I was still, you know, really into myself in those years and really not understanding the program that well, just really like, you know, learning it and absorbing it, but not really applying it. Then about, I'd say, three years after I was in OA, then my husband came into program also. And then the tables turned. And I was sitting at home or making babysitting arrangements while he was running to meetings every single day. And I totally got what, what, what he was feeling or possibly what he was experiencing. And then, you know, and I let him do his thing. But the thing I'm trying to share is that it took time for, you know, things to really like settle down with the two of us. And then eventually we got divorced anyway, but I understood now, you know, when I look back, when I've done my inventories and all my steps that, you know, this was part of the process until today, like when now I'm working 10, 11, and 12, and I look back and on hindsight on all these experiences that it was just a necessary part of my, you know, process. So I just want to say anybody that's new out there, hang in there with the family because I can't, I could tell you a hundred incidents of things that came up when it came to this, um, these two paragraphs. But today I live in balance, and thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Janice M. 
Yes. Good morning, Katie, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service, Katie. Janice M., recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. This pa- these paragraphs that we we read are just instructional, and they're so true. They're so true, and through my experience, I wish I knew this long ago. But but anyway, I know it today, and in the past somewhat. If the family cooperates, oh my my, cooperates. What does that mean? It means you know get together for a common aim. Um, you know, it was so. It was so uh, I was so critical um, of of, a, of a, the alcoholic when they first got recovered, um, when they first stopped drinking. I should say because this is exactly what happened. You know, they were they were full of the spiritual ideas, and and I was too. I, I can compare myself too it, with with the family, and um, you know, if I cooperated, then there would be some peace. Because, see, we go through a phase of development, which means we go through a stage. This too shall pass, the the unbalanced life. It's going to pass, trust me, because that's my experience. Um, it's like a, like a child, an infant. The infants do certain things, and they creep and crawl before they walk. You know, um, that's life. That's what development of a person is. And, and the alcoholic and myself, we have to grow spiritually. And it takes time, like was said. Um, and, and, and I know today that it says, you know, cooperate, build them up, build somebody up. Um, uh, when a child falls, when they're learning to ride a bike, we don't say, oh, you fell, that's terrible. No, we say, okay, get up. You know, you fell. It's not easy. No, it isn't easy with with this type of illness. But I'm telling you, it works. It really works. And this is what they're telling us what to do. They're going to grow up. We're going to grow up myself. I'm going to grow up spiritually. I'm not doing the same things that I used to do. So they're telling us to cooperate and not condemn them and criticize. As a critical person, you know, my husband says, you're criticizing. And I'd say, no, I'm just trying to help you. But I wasn't. You know, I was doing it in a manner that was a criticism. It wasn't a loving guidance. So they're telling us, um, you know, there's going to be different, you know, I, I can, I can, my experience is I used to do this. You know, I thought I was superior because I had, I was abstinent. I had God on my side, but I didn't know how to treat others. You see, I was still, still very little bit selfish. So it's all a fallacy. And, you know, you see them go out for, um, to the meetings and you say, gee, you know, I used to stay in the house. But, you know, on page 89, that's nothing ensures sobriety for myself, which I was, I was, you're always going out, you're always going out to the meetings, but nothing ensures sobriety and recovery as working with other alcoholics. And uh, it doesn't matter if your business is successful, it's spiritual development first and not material. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Okay, who else would like to share on what was read? Kathy K. Okay, Larry and Kathy K. Go ahead, please. And and Rabia. Okay, let's go with Larry, Kathy K., Rakefit, and Rabia. Good morning, uh, Katie. Larry, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Uh, Thanks for your service. Um, 
you know, the, you know, in reading um, the family afterwards again, you know, there's seems to me there's there's a couple of key points in in this chapter, <clears throat> sort of embedded in in these paragraphs. You know, one of the first things is that that all all my challenges in life, including with my family, do not dis- do, you know they don't magically disappear once I've had a complete psychic change. You know, that was promised as a result of working these steps. You know, I still live in the world and in my family. This is just the beginning of my new life. That's that's been my experience. And yes, I, I've I've had access. I have access now to to my Creator today. I didn't before, and and that's a miracle, tremendous miracle. Yeah, I was never meant to live in a bubble. You know, I was never meant to be isolated from others and my family and my community. Um, that's what I did when I was still practicing the disease. You know, so so you know, my disease. The second thing, my disease was was never simply about me. Of course, it involved uh, those in my family and and um, as well as many other people that I interacted with. So, one of the promises embedded in the, in the big book is that more will be revealed, and this has indeed been been my experience. You know, when I wake up today. You know, sometimes, you know, I say, I don't say it often, but I'll say, you know, good morning. I did it this morning. It just kind of comes to me. I say, good morning, God, you know, Larry uh, reporting for duty. I heard someone say that before, um, and it it made me smile. (laughs) You know, Larry reporting for duty. Um, You know, what what is my duty today? Um, it's, It's to be, I'm in the mindset that prepares me for service within my family. I don't want to control anybody else today you know not only do I recognize you know my blinders have been removed I recognize that anything that I try to control is controlling me I have no desire whatsoever to control you or anybody you're in my family even when you're doing something that of course I know you know in my infinite wisdom you know the same wisdom that that got me in these rooms right but I know that uh better I know what's right for me and what's right for you. I don't. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. Just because I've had a spiritual awakening um, doesn't mean it means that that you know my, that God is directing my life. And so, with regard to the family, it may be helpful for me. I know to ask questions. Questions are powerful. I was so I didn't ask many questions before. Before I was just always had the answer. You know, today I ask questions, questions like, you know, have I, you know, have I noticed my family going through adjustments as I become well, you know, okay. Um, two, has my family put up any resistance to to my program of recovery? And, and, and if so, what can I do with the help of my higher power to create a, a more harmonious, you know, experience for my family? You know, that type of question is a shift in my, in my, in my thinking. That comes from God, you know, that I can ask different questions. Today I ask different questions of myself and of life. You know, how can I let love, tolerance, and acceptance be my guiding force within my family? What can I do rather than what they need to do to change? What do I need to do to change today to make others around me have a a more harmonious experience? And then not be worried what their experience is. Because they're on their journey. I'm on mine. You know, so the, the questions are very powerful for me and uh, very grateful for this change. It saved my life. And with that, I'll pass.
Katie, are you there? Kathy Kay, do you want to go ahead, please? Yes, thank you. Um, can you hear me, Melanie? I can, loud and clear. Okay, great, thanks. Um, this is Kathy Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts, and I'm grateful to be on the meeting and on this page today. Um, I have so many feelings as I hear people read and share this uh, on this um, you know, I've been in these rooms for 20 years, and I would have to say the first 10 years or so, um, I was very fortunate that my husband was uh, quite willing for me uh, to go to as many meetings as I needed to. Um, he also put up with my uh, somewhat... Um, overzealous reporting on how wonderful OA was and how having a spiritual life was the only way to live. Um, you know, I really wasn't recovered those first 10 years. I had periods of abstinence, but I had not yet found a spiritual, vital connection with my higher power. And so my character defects reared their head often. And I am just so grateful that my husband and my now grown son um, were very accepting of me. And somehow my husband knew that going to those meetings was helping me, even though, um, as I look back on it, it was a period of on and off absence and not much recovery. Um, and so I have, you know, I've actually not only made amends to my husband since then, but also expressed a lot of gratitude um, for his acceptance. But somehow he intuitively knew that what I was doing um, was, in the end, better than not doing it. Um, then I went through a stage as I worked the steps and did develop a spiritual way of life, I didn't quite get it. Um, and what I mean by that is I needed him to know all about it. I needed him to join me. I needed him to take what I learned and use it in his own life. And so, again, my need to control um, and to have him respond the way I wanted him to respond was still there. And so I went through a second phase of trying to bring the family along with me. Um, and I think it's only in the last couple of years that I've really learned how to keep the focus on myself um, and to stay focused each day on what I can do to be helpful to my family and to others and what I can do to, to really improve my own uh, way of being in the world. Um, and so I can see the phases that I've been through and I'm just so grateful, so grateful to my family for um, hanging in there with me and um, as far as I can tell, at least not sharing with me any judgments that they may have had about what I was doing. Um, and I can see from these pages that uh, I could probably once again uh, 
thank him and my son um, for being there for me and for supporting me for all the time I'm out helping others and attending meetings. And with that, I pass. Okay, let's move on with Rakefit. Um, thank you. This is Rakefit, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And I would like to talk about the line that says, <clears throat> though the family does not fully agree with that spiritual activities, they should, sorry, they should let, let him have his, have his head. And um, that's basically what my family has done because I have not proselytized about my spirituality, about my program, about anything. So when I came into program over 15 years ago, I had no spirituality. I, I, I couldn't even conceive of what spirituality in my life would look like. And so in 15 years, of course, it has developed and, and grown and um, continues to grow. And I just love it. I just absolutely love it. But my family doesn't want to hear anything about it. They, they, my husband is a pagan, so he doesn't believe in anything, basically, except for nature. And, you know, he, he's, he, whenever I try and talk about God, he just, or my food plan or anything, he's like, you have great, great self, um, self-strength. You know, you have a lot of uh, ability to just um, keep yourself very focused. And I'm thinking, you know, this has nothing to do with it. It really is about God. I have no self-control at all, and he thinks I do. And every time I go visit my mom, I bring my food with me, she says, oh, you're still eating that diet food? You know, she, um, and if I try and explain that it, it's a way of life, it's good. it is my life, you know, it's useless. And the same with my kids. I don't try to persuade anyone of anything. I know that where I am, I know that where I need, that I know I'm powerless, powerless over food. And the only way I can live this life without having my head deep down in food all the time is by living with God, is by God's help. I know it's not me. I know it's not me. And if others, you know, just they just don't want to to hear that or accept that, that's fine. I leave them alone. As long as they leave me alone with what I'm doing, I leave them alone and they don't, and life goes on. Life goes on. I don't have to explain myself, and they don't have to explain themselves, and I can just do my own thing. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rupepit. And now, Rabia, would you like to share? Oh, sure. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rabia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and and I've been listening to the last three people and uh, and now can't get my thoughts together of... <laughs> What I wanted to share a few minutes ago. Um, okay, let me just see. So, spiritual justification. I put a question mark next to that and, and highlighted it um, because for me that's an oxymoron. Because if if I'm trying to justify anything, I'm back in my ego and um, uh, in in my um, bedevilments and. And so, um, you know, I'm just reminded that the good news is that everything that's unbalanced in my life is my responsibility, and whatever I see as wrong is my responsibility. 
Um, and I like seeing myself in all these readings of the family afterwards and um, because because this is the work that I, I need to be doing, and, um, and I'm newly recovered, so I am very enthusiastic about the big book and, and the work I'm doing and, and my fellows. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I was just, I was just this morning uh, uh, looking at my um, calendar for this week, and it's chock full of doing service work, which I love doing and being connected. However, <clears throat> I'm in the middle of a family that's, uh, that's grieving now because it was, there was a, a death in the family and, and, you know, there's different, um, I have different family obligations now because I am living one among many. It's, it's not just about me and, and my growth is lopsided right now. Um, you know, like it says in here and, and, and my 10th, 11th and 12th step is, not in balance because it's about my relationship with my fellows, my relationship with God, and my relationship with the sick and suffering. And that needs to be in balance every day, all day also, because that gives me my spiritual reprieve. So, um, and a spiritual life which does not include his family obligations is not so perfect after all. No, it's not, because, um, because love and tolerance I need to practice at home. Anyway, it's uh, and the vagaries. I love this word vagaries. I looked it up in my big book uh, dictionary, and it's erratic, extravagant, unpredictable. Um, and I am, you know, in my spiritual infancy. And so, you know, it's all a tall order. And then I take a breath, and God is with me now. God is. I am God centered now. Um, I pray for God to be with me all day, every day. And and the joy of the journey. I, I you know I I don't want to lose sight of the the joy of the journey. You know I woke up absent sober this morning in the God consciousness and a beautiful summer day. And um and one day at a time I'll invite God into each moment of my day to find balance. And thank you all for um for giving me guidance every morning how to do this. God bless. I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, um, can we move on then with Michelle H., starting at those of us who have spent. Good morning, Katie. Um, <clears throat> morning, everyone. Thanks for your service. This is Michelle H., um, recovered compulsive reader in Missouri. Um, to be clear, am I reading um, the next paragraph, just the next those of us? No, the next three paragraphs, please. The next three, thank you. Ending so with friendly agreement about them. Thank you. Those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childishness of it. This dream would have been replaced by a great sense of purpose accompanied by a growing consciousness of, I'm sorry, this dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose accompanied by a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. We have come to believe He would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but that our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. That is where our fellow travelers are, and that is where our work must be done. These are the realities for us. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. One more suggestion. Whether the family has spiritual convictions or not, they may do well to examine the principles by which the alcoholic member is trying to live. 
they can hardly fail to ap- approve these simple principles, though the head of the house still fails somewhat in practicing them. Nothing will help the man who is off on a spiritual tangent so much as the wife who adopts the same spiritual program, making a better practical use of it. There will be other profound changes in the household. Liquor incapacitated father for so many years that mother became head of the house. She met these responsibilities gallantly. By force of circumstances, she was often obliged to treat father as a sick or wayward child. Even when he wanted to assert himself, he could not, for his drinking placed him constantly in the wrong. Mother made all the plans and gave the directions. When sober, father usually obeyed. Thus, mother, through no fault of her own, became accustomed to wearing the family trousers. Father, coming suddenly to life again, often begins to assert himself. This means trouble unless the family watches for these tendencies in each other and comes to a friendly agreement about them. Um, I guess the the paragraph that really um, uh, jolted me or stuck out for me was um, the first paragraph, although I I see how this all ties together and, you know, my spiritual make-believe has eventually um, come to light for me and I have seen the childishness of it um, because when I first came into program, um, and first started to, um, you know, embrace these steps according to the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and the mental obsession was relieved, and I saw that I, you know, relying on a uh, spiritual solution really worked. Um, you know, I, I was out to, um, you know, spread the word to everyone just how wonderful this program was, and, you know, living in feeling like I had the way, the only way, and everyone um, should be listening to me, and there was a lot of words, um, and it took a while for my actions, you know, to catch up with my words, for me to practice these principles, you know, to have an action, and then, um, so eventually, um, God's grace, and through working these steps, and with time, um, like is is suggested in these previous paragraphs, just, you know, um, give the recovering person some time that eventually I'm going to see um, that my spiritual life and my spiritual growth is lopsided. I've got a little distortion of values here, and that that has come true for me, and that, yes, indeed, it is so important for me to stay connected to my higher power. My higher power is the source, is the solution for me today, and prayer and meditation is important. You know, my head is in the cloud with him. You know, I need um, to improve my conscious contact with him and then, but my feet, I need to take some action. Faith without works is dead. I need to practice these principles. And for a while, it was just um, felt so much more comfortable being around my fellows who were also practicing these spiritual principles. And it was uh, more difficult for me um, to, you know, live in, quote, unquote, the real world, um, people who weren't necessarily practicing these spiritual principles, like the, the next paragraph they're talking about. It would be really well if, and well and good, if, other family members would be in a spiritual program, um, other 12-step programs, um, if they weren't alcoholics or compulsive overeaters, it, it would be better. Um, because what happens is the other person, as, as, I, am I, as I'm recovering, the other person may not see that I'm, I'm going to be taking more responsibility for my actions. And that when I, when I say something, I mean it. And that I'm not so self-centered. I'm becoming other-centered 
and um, that's why they say there's going to be some trouble if this is not seen and um, you know not embraced as um, as a you know partner in this instead of being treated as a child as the the wife was treating um, the father who was the alcoholic as a child. Um, but with time, you know, I did come out of my spiritual make-believe world, and I quit trying to really tell other people all about this program and, and saw that it was in my actions, in my actions as I grew up and saw that as I became other-centered, it was, you know, people, um, my actions were speaking louder than my words. And it did take some time for me, and, and I can look back and see the childishness of it now and so grateful that my family members were patient with me and were tolerant. And with time, you know, I'm, I'm able to practice these principles um, uh, with people not in program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Carolyn? Sarah? Carolyn? This is Bella, can I share? And, and this would be Paula at the end of the line at this time. <laughs> Minky? Okay, okay. I started with Carolyn, Penny C, Bella, Sarah, Sarah, and Paula. And then one more after that. Okay, let's start with Carolyn, please. Uh, hi, this is Carolyn um, F. from New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, th- these last few paragraphs are incredibly powerful. Um, I love the fact that they tell us, you know, at the beginning we are in our spiritual infancy. And uh, there's a place in the big book where it talks about how, um, you know, assuming that, you know, having just come into conscious contact with God, you know, we, we may think that we know what he's telling us when in fact we're, you know, we're paying for it in all sorts of absurd ideas and decisions and thoughts because we don't really know yet. We're not in that close contact. Um, We're still in our infancy. And yet I don't necessarily see it that way. Sometimes I'm thinking, you know, oh, I'm so spiritual now and my husband is so, you know, not. And um, there's so many things that I need to correct in him, you know. And, uh, And I've talked about my spirituality and the growth and, you know, and he sees it. But sometimes I'll do something that, is not spiritually mature, and, and he'll point it out to me. He'll say, you know, considering how, how spiritual you now are, that was not a very spiritual thing to do. And um, and I have to pause and and realize that, you know, I'm being kind of arrogant. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a, a baby in this in this development of my spirituality and in my contact with God. And um, I have to stop and, and listen for that still small voice within and, and try to see, you know, what would God have me do in this situation and not try to you know, impose my, my new, you know, vision of the world, superior vision of the world on um, on the people around me who have tolerated my misbehavior for so long. And um, and so today I'm just very grateful to be in this program and to be able to see, you know, my many foibles along with um, the benefits of being here and all the gifts that God has given me. Thank you. With that, I pass. Okay, let's continue with Penny. Continue with Penny. Penny, please press stop. Hi, this is Penny. 
Okay, go ahead, Penny. I, 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 I'm listening, but I hadn't, I hadn't given my name as wanting to share. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Then let's go it's on. It's been someone else. Thank you. Okay. Bella. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I love this paragraph, and um, I want to talk about the power of God in our lives, and then they explain what does it mean. We have come to believe he would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but that our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. Yes, thank you, God. Now I know exactly what is my goal. My goal is not to be perfect because I will never be perfect. And God doesn't want me to be perfect. And there are no human perfect in this world. I don't have to be jealous at people because I think they are perfect. No, not anymore. Now I accept and admit that I am a happy human being. It means that I have my limitations. I don't know everything all the time, and it's okay, because this is the way God wants me to be. This is the way God created me. God created me as a human human with my limitations and it's okay I can do mistakes I just have to learn from them I just have to learn to accept it's okay to do mistakes and to learn to change a behavior and as well as I do mistakes other people can do also mistakes to accept them to accept mistakes that people are doing. Yes, and today I am so happy to bring God into my everyday life. It means that I am not willing anymore to give over my message, to do my ego's will. Today I know I am God's messenger. I have to pass over God's message and not mine. Today, I am not in competition, not with other people, and for sure not with God. I am not aiming to be perfect and to say, wow, that's it, I am perfect, I am not, I know, I know everything all the time. No, today this is not more, any, any longer my goal. Today, I am living one day at a time. My, my power is to do the best I can now. Today I am not depressed at my past and anxious of my future. Today I am living one day at a time with God's help, with God's message for me. And this is the freedom. Yes, I am in the earth. And it's like says here, planted on the earth. What means planted? When we plant a seed, it's a small thing, it's, it's, but it grows. And this is my seed to be connected to God. 
one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, let's continue with Sarah. Good morning, Katie. Uh, this is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Iowa. Thank you for your service. Um, I, I want to go back to uh, where it says, those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childish of it, childishness of it. Um, and, you know, with that particular sentence, it brings me to the idea that I know that for me, um, you know, my disease is all about selfishness and self-centeredness, my lack of wanting to take responsibility, but my love of controlling other people. Uh, you know, that was how I uh, I operated. And in, on page 62, it talks about it, selfishness and self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. What a beautiful program we have that we can, you know, come in, you know, probably my my age, as far as how I behaved, was probably about 12 years old. And we can start to grow up and take responsibilities for our actions. And, um, you know, first we have to put the food down and, and, and get in a place where uh, we're, we're really working the steps and um, admit our powerlessness. And, and then we have to come to, you know, finally wake up and, and really believe that there's something greater than us you know, that can help us, that can restore us to sanity. And then when we make this decision, you know, we're finally turning our will and our life over the care of God, you know, I always put in there my family members. I'm I'm turning them over too, you know. I no longer have to control them. That doesn't mean that, as other people have stated, you know, that I'm perfect about it. But in the back of my mind, you know, that's something that when I when I made that commitment in my third step, I've committed not to control other people too and to let them follow their path. Um, And, you know, it says um, this dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose accompanied by a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. And, you know, know, I know for me, when I look back at who I was 20 years ago when I came in and who I am today, there is no resemblance whatsoever. I mean, Physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, I'm a totally different human being. And I needed every step I took, every part of my recovery, every part of those 20 years to get to where I am today. There have been no uh, no mistakes with that. And, you know, I love that one last sentence. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. And today, you know, I learned a long time ago from a sponsor, I can practice being satisfied, not always, you know, driving to get what I want, but being happy with what I have, really being content with what I have. You know, I have to do 10 steps, but, you know, much less often than I used to. I'm so grateful for that. And I do have acceptance of others, and I really try to live this program and its principles to the best of my ability every day, one day at a time, with all of you to help me and with most importantly, my higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Paula, it's your turn. And thank you, and thank you for your service, my friend. And this would be Paula, recovered compulsive reader, now residing in New Hampshire. I'm going to piggyback along here on, but I'm going to start at a different place. We have come to believe. We have come to believe. 
He would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but that our feet ought to be firmly planted on the earth. If my head's my head, there are my thoughts, and there is my mind is with him, then my feet on this earth will do his will. You know what? When I saw this, came to believe, could this be possible? Can I do that? Can I live? And this is the family afterward. Oh, this is the biggie. Can I live with my family? And live with God and live the way God would have me be. May I ask, uh, may I bring this in? There is a a minnow, and it's in uh, the South American waters. And it's very small, of course, being a minnow. Hmm, I know about small, my name meaning little. And it surfaces on the top of the water. But it has got such unique lens on its eyes, the way it was created, that it could look below and see what is below and yet look above. Can I do that? Can I do that? Can I see what God wants and live with my fellow travelers, which also are God's children too? It says here, and I'm just going to end with that, that is where our fellow travelers are. We're all traveling this path. That is where they are, and that is where our work must be done. Now, there's a must here. There is a must here. My thoughts must be for the other. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And now our last person for today will be Sue G. Hello, everybody. It's Sue G from the next to the city of sisterly and brotherly love, uh, recovered member of our fellowship. So... Here we are, and I'm remembering a story that uh, got my feet on the ground all right. Um, So I'll just go to the middle of that uh, first paragraph in this bunch where it says, he would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. So I have a silly grandchild story that relates to my recovery. So I'm in the car one day driving my, she must have been like six or seven, and she was a very good reader from early on, and she was sitting in the back seat of the car, and um, she was talking, which she likes to do, runs in the family, and and I'm driving, and I'm listening, and she says, she says, easy does it. And I said, oh, that's nice. And then she said, live and let live. And I thought, wow. So my crazy mind is now going, the the codependent in me is going, oh, she must have learned this from her mother. Let go and let God, she says. And I go, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And then she says, think, and I'm really high on this one. And finally she says, how important is it? And I said, why, Tiffy, that's wonderful. Where did you learn that stuff? And she says, I learned it from my mother. Now I'm really in the clouds. Oh, boy. Oh, her mother is is just teaching her this before she developed any resistance to it. This is marvelous. Our family is cured. And then we stop the car, 
we get out, and she starts laughing. She says, Sue Grandma, she says, that's what she calls me. Sue Grandma, you left one of those pens in the back seat, and I was reading it. And it's one of those pens that, like, I have one in front of me that says vision for you, and it has the whole vision for you on it. You just click the ballpoint end of it, and it comes up with another little little saying in the middle of the the pen handle. And that's what she had. She had one of my slogan pens back there, and she was reading it to me. So it's a good thing to keep your feet planted on the earth. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Okay, well, we are at the end of our time. Um, I will now ask uh, or thank everyone who has shared today, and we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deb W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Okay, just let me turn to that page quickly. Okay. I'm sorry, just second. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what that what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give free of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.